Good evening. We are in the process of discussing the halachas of Yichud. In the previous year, towards the end of the previous year, we discussed <coughs> the certain women that a, a man may isolate himself with, and we mentioned that a person is allowed to isolate himself with a mother, or with a grandmother, or with a daughter, or with a sister, <coughs> even though a sister is a little bit more problematic, but we take on the halacha that a sister is considered fine, and one's allowed to isolate oneself with a, a mother, grandmother, a daughter, or a sister. We then extended that, that if a person is in a room together with two women, and we know that we've learned already that to be in a room with two women is also forbidden, because two women is not considered a shamer. It, it, the Chazal tell us it's possible to try and persuade two women to do something wrong. Three women, one can't, but two women, one can. But if one of those women is either your mother, or your grandmother, or your daughter, or your sister, then the other woman doesn't become a problem because the mother or the grandmother, etc., is now considered a shamer. She is now a shameress for you. She will protect you and make sure that nothing untoward is going to happen and therefore there's no problem of yichud. We then explained as well, the reasoning behind that is that Chazal understood that anybody that person is allowed to be isolated with, that person automatically becomes a protector for you. So if you can find another case where the woman is a, is a permitted person for you to be isolated with, then that woman will automatically become a protection for you if there's another woman involved. So we explained as well, for instance, if you're in a, a situation of isolation of Yechud together with a woman whose husband is in the city, we know that a husband in the city allows you to be isolated together with the wife if the parameters and the conditions of are are in place. Then if that woman, if you are now together with two women, one of them husband has gone off for a skiing trip, and the other husband is just around the corner, you now have two women which normally would be considered yichud. Well, one man and two women is normally considered yichud. But if one of those women is somebody that you're permitted to be with, because by law just like if it would be your mother, your sister, your, your grandmother, etc., your daughter, they would, be able, they, would be, they would protect you. So to hear this woman whose husband is in the city, she protects you. She would protect you. One's permitted to isolate oneself with these types of women, a mother, a sister, etc., even if the relationship with the second woman, that means you've got two women, one of them is your mother, the other woman is a stranger, but that stranger is someone who's what we call Libre Gaspo, somebody that you're very familiar with. That's no problem at all, because the mother or the sister or the daughter, etc., will be a protector, will protect you, and there's no, no worries. And again, if your mother, sister, brother, Chas is what we would call a prutza, somebody whose past behavior... Uh, has been left wanting and that we still say with a mother, sister, brother, etc mother, sister, daughter, grandmother whatever type of person they are there is no problem of Yichud at all that's more or less where we got to the end of the previous year what we need to discuss today is a fascinating piece of uh, understanding between the Chazal which I'm not sure if you're all going to agree with it but you're going to have to agree with it because it comes from Chazal uh, a fascinating understanding of the what we would call Kachos and Efesh of the true depth of feeling which exists between certain women, between certain women. And this Chazal called the Chomesh Noshim Hasoymes Zuizu, the five women that hate each other. Now I'm only going to mention four, because the fifth one is not relevant to us, it's not relevant, so I'm going to mention four. Um, present company, doesn't, we're not referring to anybody in particular here, and it doesn't mean anybody, this is what Chazal understood, I will explain it in a moment. There are five sets of women that Chazal understood that, that deep down, somewhere in the recesses of the subconscious mind of a person, 
there's a, a dislike, there, a worry. And we're going to see in a moment that all the worry, strangely enough, or I should say unstrange enough, is all about money. All about money. There's a dislike between these two women, these sets of women, based around money. And therefore, since there's that depth of subconscious dislike, they, can, they are considered and therefore there's a worry that there's no worry that one of them will behave in a manner which is inappropriate if the other one's there because the other person is definitely going to spill the beans so therefore the other person is considered a shomer meaning that if normally we have a man and two women in a room in a house with a door locked is a is of yehud you're not allowed to be isolated with a man even if there's two of you because we take on that a man has the ability to persuade two women to behave in a manner which is inappropriate but if those two women are women that <coughs> are what we call from the sets which are so nezuzu that they dislike each other and it's a very subconscious dislike so I mentioned the groups of sets the sets of people you're going to look at me as if I'm completely out of uh, a form of Mars and maybe we have but Hazan understood the Kohas and Nefesh the depth of human understanding far greater than I do and this is the list that they gave us Two co-wives, co-wives. So if a man is married to two women, I just mentioned that just because it gives us a little bit of an understanding. <laughs> this is the one which is the most difficult. A woman and her mother-in-law. A woman and her husband's daughter. That's a stepdaughter. A woman and her husband's daughter. Not just a thing. A woman and her husband's daughter. A woman and her mother-in-law's daughter. That means her sister-in-law. A woman and a sister-in-law, but a sister-in-law from her mother-in-law, not a sister-in-law from her father-in-law. We'll, see, we'll come back to that a bit later. So we've got four sets of women here. Co-wives, which we're not going to discuss because it's not relevant. Uh, a woman and her mother-in-law, which seems to be very difficult because if you look around, I've got Baruch and three daughters-in-law, and I would like to suggest my wife gets on very well with them. Uh, and the mothers-in-law and daughters-in-law in this room, and they get along beautifully. So, but yet Chazal understood there's something deep there which in real case scenarios, when push come, came to shove, they would spill the beans much quicker than another woman. And therefore, the risk of somebody doing something wrong when they are one of the pair is almost non-existent. A mother and a daughter-in-law, a woman and her stepdaughter, that's her husband's daughter, a woman and her sister-in-law, that's her mother-in-law's, her husband's sister from the mother, those are sets of women that Chazal call they hate each other at least subconsciously and therefore they are considered protectors to each other so a person will be allowed to be isolated in the house with a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law <coughs> a person comes into the house with a builder, an electrician he comes into the house and the, the son-in-law the son has gone off somewhere wherever and the mother and the husband has gone off somewhere the father the, the two men have gone off to play football somewhere and they left the two women in the house on their own the, the mother and the daughter-in-law no problem you can lock the door no problem at all a mother and a daughter-in-law is not yichud a mother and a stepdaughter is not considered yichud and a mother and a sister-in-law is not a woman and a sister-in-law is not considered yichud let's try now to explain why that should be and don't get me wrong this is not because we can see animosity between the two they might be the best friends they might be going out to the coffee shops together every single day and they're smiling and you never ever notice and you will never notice any level of animosity between the two of them but yet Hazal understood when push comes to shove they are more likely to spill the beans than anyone else and the question is why the question is why so here Hazal told us an, an, an amazing insight into human nature an amazing insight into human nature it's a combination of a couple of understandings of human nature 
But when it comes to money, there's no boundaries. So therefore, Chazal told us a woman and a daughter-in-law. The mother-in-law dislikes the daughter-in-law. Why does the mother-in-law dislike the daughter-in-law? Because this mother-in-law spent years. This woman spent years with her husband building up the empire. They have an enormous empire now. They're millionaires, or in their mind they're millionaires. Whatever the empire may be, it might be a few pounds, it might be millions of pounds. But this woman thinks to herself, she says, one second, you know, time's going to come eventually. Eventually, I'm going to call me back to where I come from, and he's going to remove me from this world. And then, what's going to happen to all my work? When my husband dies, where's he going to go? He's going to go to the sun. And who's going to benefit from that? My daughter. And because the woman sees that all her life's work and all the all the money she brought in from her parents, a woman comes into a marriage with millions of pounds from her father. When she dies, that means the balance over to her husband. When her husband dies, it then goes down to the son. Who's going to benefit from it? The daughter-in-law. So deep down in the subconscious, say Chazal, the mother-in-law will dislike the daughter-in-law because there's this deep fear that all my hard work is going to be benefited by this woman who's just walked into my home. She's really not a, a, a blood relation. She doesn't have anything to do with us. And she's just going to take everything that we have. So deep down, as nicely as they get along, Chazal understood that there's a level of animosity there, which is very subconscious perhaps, but it exists. And once we know that the mother-in-law dislikes the daughter-in-law, then we have a rule, Kamayim, Ponim, Ponim, Cain, Lev, Adam, Adam, the way one person reflects, the, the behavior of one person will be reflected in the behavior of the other person. Just like when you look in water, you can see your reflection. Your behavior to one person will be reflected back. So, if the mother-in-law dislikes the daughter-in-law, automatically what's going to happen is somewhere in the subconscious of the daughter-in-law there's going to be a feeling of dislike for the mother-in-law. She doesn't know why. She has no idea. The mother-in-law doesn't like it, so she automatically doesn't like the mother-in-law. One of the rules, if you want to stop a machlekes, if somebody comes and starts shouting at you and screams at you and tries to begin a machlekes, if you're nice back to him, the machlekes will disappear very quickly. Because, command upon him, upon him. His behavior will automatically reflect the way you behave him. So if somebody comes and gets annoyed with you and you start getting annoyed back, it's going to be my latest. If somebody gets very annoyed with you and you smile, you say, I'm really sorry, and, and you're nice to him, come, let me give you a cup of water because you seem quite irate, etc. Within a few minutes, the whole machlekes will disappear. Why? Because we have an understanding from, from the possum. Come on, him, upon him, like the water reflects your your reflection in the water, you can see your reflection in the water, so too behaviors reflect upon each other. Person, the person's behavior will be reflected by the person that he's behaving in a certain way too. So that if the mother-in-law dislikes the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law will dislike the mother-in-law. We now have two women who dislike each other. Therefore, if they something untoward would happen with one of these women and the other woman was there, the rule is that the second woman, this mother-in-law or this daughter-in-law, would not cover up for her mother-in-law. Or a mother-in-law would not cover up for a daughter-in-law. Whereas two other women, two strangers, one would cover up for the other one. If there's two women there, three women, we say we won't get two women covering up for another one, but we will get one woman covering up for a second woman. When it comes to mother-in-law and daughter-in-law, we don't say that's not true. And it's very relevant, this. This can be quite relevant if there's a lodger in the house and the husband went away but the daughter-in-law is still in the house because the, the, they've come back from Mechisar and they can't find anywhere to live. So for the next six months they're living here. And the husband the son-in-law has, has gone off somewhere uh, for business purposes out of town. But then there's a lodger in the house. No problem. You have a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law there. You are safe. Amazing, it's an amazing thing. You'd think a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law is even worse. A mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law, you are safe. You have no problems whatsoever. Yes. 
Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. There's something. There's always something. There's something. There's a house. There's, 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 there's trinkets around the house. There's, there's cobalt vases. I don't know what there is. There's something. There's always something in the house which is enough to trigger. Every person thinks they're rich. There's always something which is enough to trigger that level of, of sinner. Therefore, therefore, let me just finish off and then we'll come back. Therefore, if the son, unfortunately, has passed away, then the mother and the daughter don't hate each other anymore. And they're best friends. Because there's no risk of that daughter-in-law ever inheriting the property of the mother-in-law. Because the inheritance would go to a live son. It won't go to a son who's unfortunately departed. And therefore, at that stage, the, the hatred disappears. And we're talking about a very subconscious hatred that you can't even actually put tangible and you can't actually understand it. But that hatred disappears. And therefore, Yichud with the two of them would not be forbidden. Yichud with the two of them would not be forbidden. Sorry, you want to ask something? Sorry, just want to ask with a goy. Is it the same We're going to come to the goy a bit later. We're going to come to the goy a bit later. And therefore the same applies only if the mother-in-law is a real mother, is the mother of the son. So if the mother-in-law is a stepmother-in-law, means the father remarried again, and the, the mother isn't the actual mother of her husband, then you don't have that worry of the finances passing down to the son anymore. It's a different, it's a different worry, then the hatred is not there anymore. And the same is, here's an extra Kiddush. The same would apply if the husband and the wife have become estranged. They might not have divorced yet, but the husband and wife have separated to the point that they're not getting along as well as they should. They're separated to eventually to come to a divorce. Even before they actually hit the divorce, we take on that, that, that hatred isn't there anymore because the worry that this, the daughter is going to be inheriting everything and benefiting from all my, uh, um, my properties doesn't, doesn't exist anymore. The next group of, of women was a woman and her sister-in-law. A woman and a sister-in-law. That means she marries a woman, she marries a man. No, sorry. Yeah, a woman and a sister-in-law. A woman and, no, sorry. A woman and her stepdaughter-in-law. Sorry, let's go slowly. A woman and her stepdaughter. A woman and her stepdaughter means that Ruben got married once, had a daughter, and, uh, and his wife died or divorced, whatever the, the case may be. Well, let's assume, let's talk about died. We'll come back to divorce in a moment. The wife died, and then he remarried another woman. So she's now the husband's wife, not the real mother, not the biological mother of the husband's daughter, but a stepmother. There again, we say there's an element of animosity there. Why is there an element of animosity there? Again, it's all about money. There's no such thing as, you know, the... the, the the fairy tale story of the stepmother and the wicked stepmother and, 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 the, do- and the daughter, that that's not relevant here. We're not coming from the fact that stepmothers and stepdaughters can't get along, they can get along beautifully. It's all about money. Most arguments that we've come across in the world are about money. And this is another one. Why is this about money? So Chazal tell us, the reason why the daughter dislikes the stepmother is because her mother, when she died, everything that she had went over to her husband. So this second wife now come into the marriage, and she's now eating the 
what Chazal called the work, the Amola, the all the toil and everything that this woman achieved in, in her lifetime is now just being used by another strange woman. And she can't take that. This daughter cannot, is not prepared to take that. And therefore she hates this stepmother. And since she hates the stepmother, the stepmother would automatically hate her. Because hate her, because combined upon him upon him, came, laid, Adam, Adam. However, if they divorced, if the father and the, his original wife divorced, then we don't say that there's a hatred there. Because the assumption is that if they divorced, then the divorced agreement she managed to take out from the ksuba, whatever it was, enough to cover what she brought in originally, and therefore the child, the daughter, doesn't actually hate the stepmother anymore. So there's a, a level of hatred between a, a mother and a, a woman and a stepdaughter if the original wife died. If the original wife was divorced, there's no such hatred. So with a mother and a stepdaughter, if somebody, again, you have an electrician coming in the house and there's a mother and a stepdaughter there, absolutely no problem. No problem at all. A stepdaughter and a mother are considered protectors of each other. A, a woman and, he, and her sister-in-law. Now, this is much more complex. A woman and a sister-in-law. A woman marries Reuben, marries Rachel, and she has, Reuben has a, a sister called Dina. She has a sister called Dina. Rachel and Dina are sister-in-laws. They come from the, 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 the Dina and, and Reuben come from the same mother. So Rachel has, and Dina are sister-in-laws from the same mother, meaning Rachel's mother-in-law's daughter and her are, are Two sister-in-laws from the mother, they hate each other. Why should a daughter-in-law, why should a sister-in-law hate each other? It doesn't make sense. Sister-in-laws are the best friends. They go out to, to friends to, together, they party together, they get along around the table, they're simple together. But Chazal said somewhere deep down there's a level of animosity which exists to the extent that if one would behave in an inappropriate manner, the other one, we can't be assured that the other one would cover up for her. And therefore, there's a level of protection in place that doesn't exist with, this, with normally with two people. Here the Gemara discusses what the reason behind this is. One of the reasons the Gemara gives is because this daughter, Dina, sees how her mother dislikes the daughter-in-law. Because we said before, a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law dislike each other. So this sister-in-law sees how her mother, because it's her mother, dislikes the, the daughter-in-law. And therefore, she's always going to take the side of her mother, and therefore, she also dislikes the daughter-in-law. And the moment she dislikes the sister-in-law, Tamai and Ponim are Ponim. There's Yenna, Yenna, Yenna Purim in the house, isn't it? It's unbelievable. Each one's a, just a fishing and banking, as we say in Yiddish. <coughs> the mother hates the mother, the hates the daughter-in-law, the daughter-in-law, the sister-in-law is Gavaldic. And they're all sitting around the Shabbos table smiling and eating and making drinking yeah. time together. But uh, that's what Chazal say. Since the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law don't like each other, so the sister-in-law is going to side with the mother-in-law and she's going to dislike the, the sister-in-law. That's one reason. The other reason is that Gamora gives. Gamora is not sure which reason is, is, the, is the valid reason. The other reason is because this sister-in-law in her, at the back of her mind, she says, one second, my mother's brought in a lot of money into the marriage. And when she dies, what's going to happen? Who's going to benefit from that money? The son and his wife. I'm going to be left out cold. One of the biggest causes of Machlechus in Yerusha is often that the daughter says, I didn't get a part in it. So here she's, she's not, nobody's died yet. They're going to live for another 120 years. But they're already worried, she's already worried, what a, what a nerve my sister-in-law, nobody knows if the sister-in-law is going to outlive or not outlive her, we don't know. But she's already worried today that my sister-in-law is going to benefit from my mother's property and that she's not prepared to accept. 
That should not be to accept. What's the difference between the two reasons? Again, we have two reasons here. Either because, since the mother hates the daughter, daughter-in-law, so she takes the side of her mother and therefore she hates her sister-in-law, or because she's worried about her mother's property. There will be a huge difference between the two. One of the differences would be, if the mother-in-law had died already, the mother-in-law had died already, the mother-in-law died already, then if the reason why the sister-in-law hates the, the, they hate each other is because she's taking the side of the mother, but there's no mother to take the side of here. There's no hatred between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law because the mother-in-law is not around. So all you have is two sister-in-laws. Two sister-in-laws can get along fantastically. No problem with two sister-in-laws. The only reason why she doesn't get along is because she's taking her mother's side. But there's no side of her mother to take. There's no machlekes. You can't create a machlekes in a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law if they're not around. So therefore there's no machlekes. She can't take sides. And therefore she's quite happy to get along with her sister-in-law. If, however, the reason why she dislikes her sister-in-law is because of the money, then that money's still there. The, the mother's nechassim, uh, the mother's property, has moved over to the husband, and this son's wife is eventually going to benefit from that property. Therefore she's going to dislike her, perhaps even dislike her more. That would be one of the documents, one of the differences. Another difference would be, and this is what the Gemara tells us this, whether a woman with the daughter of her father-in-law, that means not the mother-in-law's daughter, but the father-in-law's daughter. So she, she Reuben married Dina, they have a common father called Yaakov, Reuben, Reuben marries uh, Leah, and, and Dina and Reuben are brothers and sisters through the father, not through the mother, let's pretend they're not through the mother, and would Dina and Leah get along? They're only sister-in-laws through the father. They're not sister-in-laws through the mother. So if the reason why the two sister-in-laws don't get along is because she's taking the side of a mother, well, there's no mother here. The, the mother-in-law is not her mother, so it's not relevant. They're only brothers, they're only brothers and sisters through the father. Then she'll get along very well. But if the worry is because of finances, then she's going to get nervous about her father's finances as well. Why on earth should my father's finances be eaten up by this strange woman who's not even a blood relative? And that's not fair. And that therefore causes, even long before they've died, long before anybody's died, nobody's thinking of dying, Baruch Hashem. They're all thinking of living for a long time. Yet, somewhere deep down in the recesses of the mind, of the, of the subconscious of these two women, there will be a hatred between the sister-in-law and the, the two sisters-in-law. And since one sister-in-law hates the other, to my problem upon him, the other sister-in-law would hate the other sister-in-law. And therefore, Two sister-in-laws will be permitted. Since we have a sophic in the Gemara, we go to Chumar, we, we take the more stringent view, and we only say that a mother-in-law, a sister-in-law from the mother can protect each other. A sister-in-law from the father, we don't say they protect. So therefore, if somebody is isolated with two sisters-in-law, two sisters-in-law from, that means a woman and her husband's sister from the mother, perfect, no problem of you for the talk. But if it's a woman with her husband's sister from the father, only from the father, then that's problematic, and that would be a problem of Yichud. Are we clear? Complicated, but at least it gives us an understanding. Yichud brings out the, the really the, the depth of understanding of the subconscious of who we are. Uh, two women and one man is a problem. Uh, uh, when it comes to men, two men are fine. Because I understood that two women would cover up each other. Two men won't cover up each other. One man will never cover up another man. If he sees another man doing something wrong, he's going to blast it around town. When it comes to two women, they're going to cover up each other. The, the understanding of how... What? 
the understanding of why these women should dislike each other. You ask anybody in the street, they'll think you're completely lost it. Why should mother in laws and daughters in laws and sister in laws, they all seem to get along fine. You look around, simplest, and they do get along fine. It does happen at times, and there's arguments in families, and arguments can be with anybody. But you know, two women who argue, they really argue, and they hate each other, and then they're, but when it comes to Yichud, they don't protect each other. But yet, two sisters in law, we are called protectors. A mother in law and a daughter in law is called a protector. So, what to us seems to be logical, Chazal understood the, uh, the, really the true depth of who we are, and therefore based the rules of Ichud accordingly. The animosity between these groups of people is so strong that it helps in almost all cases. It would help even if the man is somebody who's in a, who behaves inappropriately, even if he's a porous. We normally we're a little bit more stringent when somebody's a porous. We say, no, the animosity is so strong, they protect each other, no problem at all. It helps if, the, if one of these women or both of these women are very familiar with a man. It doesn't make a difference. Since they are these groups of women that we consider that there's an element of animosity there, it helps. It even helps if you are with a non-Jew. And this is a very useful one. Because if you ever have to go to, to Bajena and etc., then you take your daughter along with you, you have no problem whatsoever. You have no problem whatsoever. You can, you can buy her a dress set too. It wouldn't do anybody any harm. But... You have no problem because they pretend. Go with your sister-in-law. Don't argue. Don't argue in front of Bishana, but at the end of the day, you have no problem with Yichud because they are staying Nash Masonia Zuzu. There are views that believe that this protection of sister-in-laws, mother-in-laws, etc. is so strong that it even works at night. But normally at night we say you need an extra protection the worry that the sister-in-law, or the worry that the mother-in-law will hear something, what's going on, and if she hears, there's no chance of, you don't even need a second protection. One, shame at night. Normally we say at night you need two, because one's sleeping, and if they're sleeping, then we're not so worried about them, therefore we need an extra protector, but having an extra shame, we say, oh, two shame, one will probably wake up. When it comes to mother-in-law, and a daughter-in-law, a sister, and two sister-in-laws, there the worry, the fear is so great, that even at night it's free. And that's really unbelievable. It really gives us a depth of understanding of who we are and what we are. Okay, I thought you'd enjoy that. <laughs> Let's move on to the next level of protection, something we discussed in the previous year and that we said we'll talk about. That's the protection of a child. A child. A child has a level of protection that an adult doesn't have. Two women are prepared to protect each other. A man can be problematic when it comes to Yichud. A child between a certain age, a child between a certain age understands that there's slightly inappropriate behavior going on, but doesn't quite understand that it's inappropriate enough that he should keep quiet and shouldn't say anything. And therefore, a child between a certain age will, <coughs> therefore, spill the beans of what he's seen in the house. It's like the, the, the people who know what's going on in, in your own home are the kindergarten teachers, right? You go to a kindergarten teacher, she knows everything that goes on in the home of all the children. She knows what they have for supper, and she knows when the parents have an argument, and she knows, uh, she knows everything. She just, because the kids just don't, they have no inhibitions, if the child's too young, he doesn't understand he's seen anything inappropriate, so he's not going to say anything. So between a certain age, Chazal understood that this child will spill the beans. He will definitely blurt out somewhere that this inappropriate behavior is taking place in his house. And that Chazal understood to be between the age of, roughly between the age of five and the age of nine. Between the age of five and the age of nine. Once you pass the age of nine, then this child is already at the stage of intelli- intelligence that it's possible to persuade the child to do something wrong, and therefore can't be considered a shona. But between the age 5 and 9, 
Chazal understood that this child is not going to be able to contain himself and will spill the beans. And therefore, if you're in a position of Yichud, a man and a woman in a home, where uh, isolated, where they shouldn't be on their own, and there's a child there, either a girl or a boy, it makes no difference, between the age of five and nine, you are protected. That's a shamer, and there's no problem with Yichud. And this is a very useful one when we're practically trying to get around Hilchus Yichud. This is actually a very, very useful because babysitting and things like that, this is one of the, the, the cases of Shmira that we use regularly in the cases of babysitting because that's, that's more often what you're going to have in the house. You're going to have children like this. We'll, we'll, we'll discuss that in a moment, uh, how many children you need to have with a child asleep. Are we clear? Yeah. It makes no difference if it's, it's a, 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 a boy, it makes no difference if it's a girl. Some of it could even be four be good enough. There's no, the age of five is just a rough age. No, as I'll say, when they're intelligent, intelligent enough to understand that inappropriate behavior and not intelligent enough to be able to be persuaded that this inappropriate behavior is appropriate, uh, is, is appropriate then at that stage they become a shame. It could be four, it could be five, it could be six if the child uh, is lacking a certain level of intelligence. It makes a difference if the child is, is, is a relation or non-relation. It can be a, a, a daughter or son. It makes no difference. Whatever that child is, it works. However, a non-Jewish child doesn't help. A non-Jewish child doesn't help. We don't assume a non-Jewish child, either because we take on that they've seen this behavior so regularly that it doesn't bother them, or we just don't, we, we're not so worried about a non-Jew. Where's this child going to spill the beans? We're a bit less worried about it. And if a non-Jewish child, as I'll say, is not considered a shemir at all. A child is considered a shemir even if the gentleman uh, uh, involved, the gentleman who's isolated with the other woman in, in, in the area that they are, is somebody who's a porous, or somebody who's very familiar. The child's protection is considered a very good protection and even covers those cases. There is one area where Chazal were a little bit more strict. And that is if a woman is isolated with a non-Jewish man and there's a girl there, who, or a girl or a boy, we're still worried about that. Because we're worried, we're worried when it comes to non-Jew, we're worried for something, we're not worried for any Jew, we're worried for a, a situation of rape, a situation where the girl will force the woman to do something wrong. And that a child's not going to help. And that child's not going to be any help. So in the case of a non-Jew, the, the possibility says it's worth being machmet and not relying on the protection of a child. If the children are sleeping, if the children are sleeping, then we don't rely on their, on their protection. Because when a child sleeps, a child sleeps, it doesn't wake up. So we don't rely on their, their protection at all. If you had an extra child, two children, that would help. Because as we say, during, uh, during the day we need one shamer, and at night we need a double shamer. So if during the day a child is considered a shamer, then at night two children would be considered a shamer. However, this problem would be even during the day. If a child's sleeping, then you'd have to have an extra child there to make sure that there's no problem of yichud. That's also okay. That's okay. We don't find anywhere that Chazal, once you have two shamers, we don't find anywhere that Chazal will worry about two shamers. Two shamers always, because at the back of the mind of the couple, I shouldn't call them a couple, but the back of the mind of this man and this woman is that maybe one of them will wake up. Out of two, we always say there's a worry that one of them might wake up. So let's run through some, just a few scenarios where these children will help or won't help. If you have a non-Jewish house, house help, and you ask her to look after a child. If the child's over nine, a boy, she's babysitting a boy of nine. 
she's babysitting a boy of nine, or she's looking after during the day at the boy of nine. With a boy of nine, once you cross the age of nine, there's always Issa Yichud. And Chazal forbade Yichud even with a non-Jew. A non-Jewish woman has the same Issa Yichud. So if you ask a non-Jewish woman to look after your nine-year-old child, you are putting her into a position where she's transgressing Midrabon on Issa Yichud. And therefore you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. If, however, the child was between five and nine, then that's not a problem at all. Because if anything inappropriate went on with that child or with this woman, the child will definitely spill the beans. If you have a babysitter, a babysitter who's more than 12 years old, because don't forget we learned that a, a, ch- a girl under 12 with a child under 13, with a boy under 13, is not yichud. They've got to have reached the age of chiyuv, of isurim, in order to be considered included in the ban of yichud. So a daughter, a, g- a girl of 12 and above, to be a babysitter in a house. If she's a babysitter for a child who is more than 9 years old, that's forbidden. If she's a babysitter for a child between the age of five and nine, that would be fine. However, if the child's sleeping in the evening, even though normally we say at night is 11 o'clock when people go to sleep, but for a child they go to sleep six, seven, eight. So if the child's sleeping, then she would have to have another shoma there as well. No, even the sleep would be fine. If For herself. If she, if there was a, a, a another man in the house, this child of nine, if, if there's a child of nine, she can't stay there with her at all. It's not during the day, not during the night at all. A, a babysitter with a child of nine, a boy of nine, forbidden. A Jewish babysitter, sure. With a child of nine, it's forbidden. If there's a child somewhere between five and nine, and another man comes into the house, that's fine, absolutely fine, because there's a protection there. Or if there's a child of nine and a child between five and nine, that would be a protection, right? If you have, she's babysitting a child of nine and there's another child in the house of between five and nine, then we have a protector. We have this child between five and nine as a protector. If the child's sleeping, the, 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 the young child between five and nine goes to sleep, babysitter will have to have another one. If she brings another babysitter with her, which is very common, you don't babysit on your own because you've got to spend the evening talking because, well, you can't spend doing nothing all night. So, so you bring your books together and you start doing your homework, but, but you end up talking. Does it help? It doesn't help at all because two women is not considered, they're not considered guardians of each other. They are still in a situation of yichud. So if you have two women and a, and a nine-year-old boy, awesome. It's still is a yichud. If you have two women and a nine-year-old boy and a child, that will be okay. If that child's sleeping, wouldn't help You'd have to have a third woman or another child to solve the problem. The same would, would, the same would be in reverse. Exactly the same thing would be in reverse. If you had a, a boy babysitting, and this is actually m- more problematic. If you had a boy babysitting, a boy babysitting, a girl over three, as we've discussed right at the beginning, a boy babysitting, a girl over three is already yichud. It's already yichud. A boy babysitting, a girl between five and nine, that's fine. Because she's at the stage where she was full of beans. If there's another girl there, it would be an issue yichud. The child between five and nine would protect. If the child between five and nine is sleeping, doesn't help. You need to have another another boy with him. That would help. Another boy babysitter would help. But usually boys babysit on their own. Girls babysit in pairs. Boys babysit on their own. That's another strange difference between m- m- boys and girls. I think there are others as well. <coughs> Go on. No. If you have a 
a, a girl of a girl of 12 and a, and a man in the house with a child of between 5 and 9 who's sleeping doesn't help no she's talking about a girl babysitting right boy a girl babysitting boy if there's a range you're okay because then you've got more than one even if they're sleeping if you've got more than one you're okay if you've only got one then you need to you, you need another protector if you've got more than one you're fine more than one but you'll often have you'll often have babysitters you're going out to Chasna and you call a babysitter you might have a child of nine another child of six and the other children are under four then the ones under four are not protectors at all the one of nine is already a problem of Yichud do I have a protection here? Do I have enough protectors? So the child between five and would be a protector. If he's sleeping, he's not a protector at all. You don't need to have another child. So you can have a, a, a big, you can have a large family, largest family, a few children in the house, and still have problems with you, and still have problems with you. If you have two children between the age of five and nine, then you're safe. Then you're safe. Okay. As we mentioned before, night is not night, which is night time for us. Night is night time for the child. So as soon as it's night time for the child, and the child might fall asleep, you already have a problem with your So if it comes to 7 o'clock and the child is normally sleeping at 7 o'clock, of course when the babysitter says they're going to be jumping around to, to, to 11 o'clock, but it's a time when the child would fall asleep, then already you're, you're entering into problems. You moved into the parameters of night, and you need an extra protector. So babysitters are not straightforward. You really need to understand your, your family dynamic to make sure that whenever you have a babysitter, your babysitter is fine. You might have a family dynamic which is perfect to have a babysitter. And once one of those children is sleeping at a friend, and suddenly you need to go out with a babysitter, and you realize, one second, my dynamics change completely because one of my protectors is not there. I've only got one protector, now, not two. I'm, I'm, I've hit trouble. You really need to know and be aware of Hilfus Yechud to make sure that when you do have a babysitter, or to make sure if your daughter's babysitting, or your son's babysitting, that there's no problem with Yechud at all. Okay, we're running out of time. I did want to start the halachas of Pesach Pesuach, which we'll discuss in the coming year. Those are the halachas of Yechud with a door open. When does a door open allow you to isolate yourself with another man when it's not allowed us to isolate yourself with another man another woman we'll have to discuss that in the next year I know uh, Mrs. Um, Moyes very much wanted to be for that year but she unfortunately told me because she had an operation I hope she's doing well Bez Hashem does anybody know how she's doing? she's doing well Bez Hashem so but she, hopefully she'll be back for the next year and she said please don't start this this week so I can see Sadek is Goza Hashem Mekam we're running out of time let me just finish up with a, a, sh- a short very short debate here this week's said, of course, is a said of Kabbalah Satayah, the Chodesh Ashkishi, the Seitz B'nei Yisrael, Mimit Shrein. So, there are three times in Kalal Yisrael, three times where we, HaKadosh gave us a complete, something completely and utterly new. Something which didn't exist beforehand. We became new entities, new people, or something new was created. Of course, the first one was creation of the world. When the world was created, HaKadosh created something new which didn't exist beforehand. The second time we reached something new was a Yitzhiyah Mitzrayim. HaKadosh Hazel Lochem Rosh Kadoshim. Chodesh HaZelochem is the ability to be mischavish, to become a new person. And that's what Chodesh comes from, Chidush, something new. Kalal then became renewed as a new entity, a new 
unit of a nation, there was a renewal again, something completely new which didn't exist before. And the third time is Matan Toyer. Toyer brought down to this world was something that didn't exist before Matan Toyer, and then it became an a entity, a new entity in the created world after Matan Toyer. So there's three times that Kashmir gave us what we call his Hatshus, the ability to be renewed, a certain re- a renewal in the world, the physical creation of the world, the Yitzhiya Mitzrayim, and the Kabbalah Satoya. The Swasemis points out that each one of those corresponds to one of the others. We know that Avram corresponds to the creation of the world. Olam Chesed Yibane, the world was created with Chesed. Avram was the Midas HaChesed. Avram was the epitome of Chesed. Chesed Lavram. Yitzchak is the Gevura. Yitzchak, we know that Yitzchak is Tachad Yitzchak, we say. Yitzchak represents the Sumirah, the, the moving away from any negativities, which is what Yitzhak Mitzrayim was. Coming out of Mitzrayim was removing Mitzrayim from the midst of who we are. We could only become the nation that we became because we removed ourselves from Mitzrayim. And that's the mid of Yitzchak. And of course, Kabbalah Satayr is Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu is Midas Emes. Yaakov is Ishtar, Yeshiv, and Holland. He represents Kabbalah Satayr. So each one of the others is, represents one of those, re- those times of renewal. The same is in the makeup of a person. A person is made up of what we call the teva, the nature of a person, the physical aspect of a person. There's the life of the person, the ability for a person to live, the what we call the ruach, the, the life which pumps around the, inside the, the body, the physical body of a person. And then of course there's the intellect of a person. The intellect is the, per- the ability of a person to, to think. An animal has the, has the physical and the, the life. There's a ruach a nefesh ruach in, in, inside the animal, but he doesn't have the intellect. A human being has three aspects in. He has the aspect of the, nef- of the physical, he has the aspect of the life, he's not like a stone, or he's not like a plant, but he's like an animal, but there's, there's, he's a living being. And then he has the intellect, which is something which is given only to man and not to any other created being. The physical, of course, the physical side of a person, that's the Briyas Oilam. That's the correspondence to the Briyas Oilam. The physical side, the, cre- the creation of the world, that's what created the physical world. The life of a person, the living, the fact that a person is a living being, he's living so that he can serve the Rebbein Shalom, he can, he, he can live and give himself for the Rebbein Shalom, that's, of course, Yitzchak Avin Avram was the world of Teva, Avram was Medes HaChesed, what did Avram do? He just paved the way for Yitzchak to be able to serve the Rebbein Shalom. Yitzchak was the first person to actually serve the Rebbein Shalom, as we know it, as a carbon on the Mizbeach, he dedicated himself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. that's the life, he gave his life away to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. he's prepared to give up everything for the sake of HaKadosh Baruch Hu on the Akedah, on the Mizbeach, and that's the life, the living being of the human being, and of course the intellect, the Yaakov Avinu is the intellect, the ability to learn Torah, to understand, to analyze, that's the intellect of a person. What the Torah is telling us here is yes, I created three, HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to us, I created three times where there's a newness within Tal the creation of the world, the creation of the, the you see us Mitzrayim and the Kabbalah Satoya. Each one of us in every day of our life has to remember that we have to perfect the physical elements of who we are. We have to perfect our life. Our life's got to be lived for, with a purpose. We can't just live in an empty, in an empty vacuum. It's got to be with a purpose to serve the Rebbein to give our life away to the Rebbein And finally, our intellect has got to be used for the sole purpose of, of understanding who Akashvaka is and what Akashvaka wants. If we take all those two together, the Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov, it will be Zechah to the next Ishachach, which is the last one, which we haven't yet been Zechah to, the Vivir Sagan of the time when the Gola comes, we may be a main of our main